0: We believe this at our church. A lot of you guys in here today, you've seen the show, This Is Us. Throw your hands up real quick. You've seen the show, This Is Us. Yeah, you see. How many of you guys you like that show? Like, yeah, that's my show. Here's the here's the kicker with that show. Every single person that watches that show, they're trying to identify with a character in that show. That's what they're trying to do. Like, there's a there's a there's a, 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 a tri- they're triplets. Um, there's they're going to the hospital, mom goes to have the babies to have triplets, and one dies that she's having the babies. Only two are born. She adopts a third child along the way, so she technically grows, they grow up as triplets. They're the same age, and they grow up They grow up that way. And, you know, I always complain about having twins, but we, how many of you guys know triplets would be way worse? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you got to be excited about what you're excited about and, and realize that someone's situation is worse than yours. So he, three, so she gets triplets, and they grow up. Here's what I believe. A lot of people watch that TV show, and they try to identify with the character. And one of the, the things I see in that show is this. Number one, I see one of the, one of the guys because of his growing up and his background, he turns to addiction. We all go through things in life. We all have problems. We, we see this all the time in our church. Everyone has hurts, habits, and hangups. We all have them. And some of us will turn to, a, turn to some sort of addiction. It's, kind of, it's a coping mechanism. You turn to an addiction. One of the guys, he turns to, he turns to addiction. And one of the guys in the story, um, he, he turns to or isolation. He's kind of the out there. He's doing his, his, own, his own kind of thing. And and there's another guy in there, I believe there's a third alternative, there's, there's performance. Those are kind of your three options. You can either perform and pretend like everything's going really, really good to help cope with your problems. You can perform. You can isolate. Like, I'm just going to get away from everybody so no one knows I have a problem. Or you can turn to some sort of, su- some, some sort of substance to kind of help cope with the mechanism. Isolation, performance, um, or some sort of substance. We all try to do that. But Here's what I want. I want this book right here. I want this to be us. I want what we, where we're going and what we're doing and what we're saying. I want this to be us. I want what you're saying and what you're doing and how you're living life. I want you to, be able to say, I got that from the Bible. You ever ask people questions and they, you, they don't even know why they believe what they believe? I want you to know why you believe what you believe. I want to be this Bible. Here's what I know. I was listening to a podcast this week. This week. Every single year, January is coming, by the way. It will be here before you know it. Every single year on the end cap of books in every bookstore in America today or Amazon there will be a list of self-help books. Have you noticed this, that one out of one of those books have not helped people with their life yet? Pete, get this. This blows my mind. I'm a pretty simple guy. Nothing complex about me today is. Why are people still writing self-help books when humanity's been around for forever? There's nothing new in those books. But I know a book that can help you. I want this to be us. I want when we go and what we say and what we don't, people say, man, this is us. this is me. This is this is us. I'm, my aunt walked in today. She goes, are you the pastor of the church? And I was like, you're judging me. We don't do that here. And I, I kicked her out of the church. Like, you're savage. You kicked your aunt out. And um, I, I'm, I, I'm wearing my, my, sick, my Hope Students T-shirt today. And I, here's, what here's what I've learned about youth ministry. I love, love, love student ministry. And if you're in sixth through 12th grade, you got to get here. Moms and dads, here's what, I, here's what I believe. If you have a middle school or high school student who don't figure out who they're supposed to be, they'll become what the world tells them to be. I meet with people on the regular, and here's the problem I'm dealing with. I'm dealing, I'm meeting and hanging out with people who don't know who they're supposed to be. They're 30, 40, and 50. So that's why my, our whole goal is like, hey, let's do everything we can to help 6th through 12th graders figure out who they're supposed to be. That way, when they're 20 or 30 or 40, we're not trying to do that still. Let's try to figure out who we are. I, I have young, I've sit with young students and college students. I, I went to a, um, I was at the Florida Miami game a few weeks ago and I saw this young girl that I, I met her at FCA here in, in the city and she was so far gone that she was so far gone inebriated that she didn't even look like, she didn't even look like the girl that I knew from just a year ago. She was so far gone. Like she was just smammered. There's only a word for that. That's, that's the word here, but she was gone. And she didn't, like, I thought to myself, wouldn't it have been awesome if at 16 or 15 or 14 she would have figured out who she, who she was supposed to be so the world didn't tell her who she was supposed to be and she didn't become who the world told her to be? I want my kids who were, my kids, my, my daughter's 11 years old, 12 years old, I got an eight-year-old son, I've got 5 year kids. I want them to be in kids' church and I want them to learn who they're supposed to be so when they get older, they don't have to figure that out. Because, I mean, it's never too late. Don't get me wrong, it's never too late. But I'll tell you what, man, if you figure it out later in life, you get a lot more damage not a lot more baggage to kind of work through. Um, I told you guys, I, I started seeing a counselor and, and he said to me, um, you know, he was talking about my childhood and about these things. You got to figure out who you're supposed to be. You got to figure out who you're supposed to be. And I believe this book will tell you and I who we're supposed to be. So at this, at this church... At this church, this is us at, at, at Hope Church, everything that we do and say and where we're going, it comes from this book. We want it all to come from this book. So we have a mission statement. If you if you work for a company, your company probably has a has a mission statement. Everything that we have, your company probably has. We have a mission statement. And our mission is to love all people at all times and all places. I was sitting with the president of the Habitat for Humanity this week and she said, um, what's your church's deal? And our church's deal is to love all people at all times and all places. And the reason why we do that is because Jesus did it. When you read this book and when you read the red letters of the Bible, we find out that Jesus loved people. We're called to love people. The Bible actually says this. People will know if you're one of those Jesus people, if you're a disciple, by the way that you love people. That's how the world will know if you're a disciple, by the way you love. How good are you you at loving people? Because the, the world will know, the lost world will know, if you're a Jesus follower by the way that you love people. So we have a mission statement. And not only do we have a mission statement, we also have a, have a vision for our church. We want those people that we love, we want them to know who God is. Because here's what we know. Only Jesus can fix the brokenness in our life. We're not offering you a self-help thing because we know self-help things don't really help ourselves. We know that only God can fix the problems in our life. God created humanity, gave us an opportunity to follow him. We chose to do whatever it is that we wanted to do. Adam and Eve chose to do what felt good. Adam and Eve chose to do whatever it is that they want to do. And because of that, they introduced brokenness into the world. And because of that, because of our choice, we need a savior. And that savior is God. We want you to know who God is. We want you to know who God is. We believe that can fix the brokenness in your life, the hurt, the habit, the hang up. Only God can do that. Then once you know who God is, we want you to find freedom. I know so many Christians who know God, but they have no freedom. We want you to be free. No one deserves to live bound up. Jesus didn't design you to live bound up, shackled and chained. He didn't design that. He designed you to be free. One of the greatest things that you could find today at this church, you can, or you can find in God today, is freedom. God wants you to be free. God designed you. We sing songs about um, we sing songs about how God's called us to to live in freedom, and He doesn't want us to be He doesn't want us to be slaves. He wants us to be free. He wants us to be sons and daughters. Jesus wants to adopt you today as His son or His daughter, and He wants you to be free. You know, I, I have four kids, and as much as I'd like to, a lot of times I like to send them to the room, let them stay in there as long as they'll stay in there. <laughs> but we all know my kids' lives aren't designed to live in a bedroom. They got they got to get out of that room. I mean, I mean you. You you saw what happened when they locked Rapunzel up in that tower for all the time. She went nuts though. Know? Girl's gone, wild. I mean, she was crazy. We're we're made to live in freedom. We're, we're made to to be out. I have a friend of mine who helps us set up the church. His name is his carvel. He was here last night. And he teaches people, he goes into prisons and he teaches people a trade so when they get out of prison, they can go out and make a living. If they don't go out and make a living, they'll be back where they where they started at. That's what he does. I was telling Carville oh, yesterday, I, Car- I said, what's the latest? He goes, they're about to graduate in a few weeks. I said, hey, our church, this church, we want to give them a graduation present. Because if you graduate, you should get a present. That's work, you know what I'm saying? I think you should get a present just for waking up and breathing, personally, because I'm a gift guy. But I was like, we want to give them a graduation gift. Everyone that graduates from something deserves a graduation gift. He said, man, we got to get them prepared for when they get out so they can live fr- freely. They can live in freedom. You were designed to live in freedom. We want that for you. We are a church that wants you to be free from the things that hold you back. We have plenty of things that hold us back, don't we? We all do. We all have stuff. We all have things, hurts, habits, in. We want you to live in freedom. Jesus wanted you and I to live in freedom. He actually writes about freedom in the scripture. I think the scripture is a story about freedom. It's about God coming to set captives free. The whole book is about freedom. The whole story is about redemption. I love a good, I love a good comeback story. Like I was watching the Florida State, uh, I was watching Florida State play. I'm not a Florida State fan, but I was glad they didn't come back. You know what I'm saying? Like, but it would be cool to see them. It'd be cool to see them come back, but I'm glad they didn't, you know. And I want my team to come back, but I don't want your team to come back. I believe the story of the God. Is a story of freedom. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of comeback. People who were broken and lost and dying and going to a real place called hell, and then Jesus shows up and everything changes. I believe in that. I, I'm so thankful for the freedom story that is the gospel. You are free. I want to be free. Here's what the Bible says about freedom. The Apostle Paul, I'm in, I'm in a community group, and we talk about freedom. We talk a lot about freedom in community groups. And if you're not in a community group, you want to be in a community group. You want to know why? It's going to make you better. That's why. You want to know a second reason why? Because the food is good. That's another good reason. I don't even know which reasons one of those are more important. Just pick one of them. I don't know if it's because you're going to be better or if it's because the food's good. Just pick one of them. Get there and you'll love it. My wife said, hey, we got to get more people in our group. She invited our neighbors to come who go to the workout with us to come to church. Like, well, I'm going to invite them to our group. I'm so glad she invited me you you need freedom. You can know God and not be free, Church. You can know God and not be and not be free. I I got a um we we I got this 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 video the day a friend of mine sent it for me and it was a guy that we know and he was just attacking our church, and I felt so bad for the guy. I'm like, how can you preach? How can you be a have the love of God inside your life, but be hateful to other people? And I thought, man, that guy doesn't have any freedom. And I know he's living the life that he's living because he was given a template, and he just received the template, and he's just living out the, the template that was given to him. And it was just a very, 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 very hurtful thing, but I just think he's not free. And you will continue to hurt people if you don't ever embrace the freedom that Christ has given for you. The Apostle Paul is writing to the book of, of Galatians, and the Apostle Paul is always telling us on how to, how to live our life a little bit better, how to, how to be more free. That's the Apostle Paul. Like, Jesus came let us know, like, hey, I'm the thing that can free you. The Apostle Paul is like, hey, here's how you get to live it out. Everywhere he goes, he writes a story he writes a book to these men or ladies and say, here's how you should live your life. Here's what he says to the church at Galatians. He says, hey, guys, my old self has been crucified with Christ. Like, my old self, it died on the cross. Like, my old self is on a cross, nailed. It was up there. It was like, I'm not that guy anymore. I'm the new guy. I'm not a slave any longer. I'm going to see a victory. Like I'm, I've, I have freedom now. Paul's like I have freedom. Paul writes a lot about a lot about freedom. He's like I got freedom. I'm free. And when you're free, you let everyone know you're free. For example, if you get something for free, you tell them, hey, it was free. Last night, Gabe came in, and I was like, yo, you get a new truck? I'm like, yeah, that was free. <laughs> that was. If you get something for free, you want everyone to know you got it for free. You know what I'm saying? Like this right here, this cup of coffee, it was free. The one before that, it was free. I got two Duncans today. I, they were free. The first one I paid for, but it was like my one on myself. The next two I got for free. When it's free, you want everybody to know. He's like, Paul's like, hey, we're free. Uh, and this, this whole freedom thing, every time I see the word find freedom, I'm thinking about William Wallace and Braveheart. And in my mind, I'm, 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 I, 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 on the outside, I'm saying, guys, God wants you to have freedom. But on the, on the inside, I'm going, Freedom! I'm yelling at God, wants you to be free. The Apostle Paul says, Hey guys, I was crucified with Christ. It's not me no more. It's not me no more. It's not, it's not me who lives, but Christ lives in me. You can spend your life in one of two camps. You can either be insecure or you can be in Christ. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be in Christ. I don't wanna live in my insecurities. I don't wanna funnel my whole life through all my insecurities. If I were to ask you in this room here, how many of you guys have insecurities? Don't raise your hand. It, it will be the wave. We all have insecurities. I don't want to lead from my insecurities. I want to lead from my position in Christ. I don't, want to go to my, I don't want you to go to your jobs tomorrow. I don't want you to go to the place that you go. I don't want you to go do things that you do and have to operate in, in your insecurities. You'll never go as far as you're supposed to go if you're living in your, in your insecurities. But if you find freedom in Christ, you can go a long way. I want you to be in Christ. In Christ is a better position than insecure, he goes. So I live. I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself to me. John chapter eight verse thirty six. The Bible says this. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. Like if you have salvation, if you know who God is, you should be free. But you need some help learning how you should be free. I was talking to a friend of my day. They're in a financial mess, and I said, Hey, listen, you're gonna need help to get out of the financial mess that you're in. You just don't know what you don't know. I got married. I was happy and I was in love, and I also was going into debt. No one told me you weren't supposed to live. Here's what I know. When I, got out of debt, I, when I got out of debt, I let everyone know I got out of debt. It feels good. There's, being debt-free, there's no feeling like being debt-free. I don't know if, okay, there's a few other things that are better than being debt-free, but being debt-free feels really good. Like, you want to be debt-free. You guys are all sick that are laughing. <laughs> Dear Jesus, the people in this church, they need help. I'm up here trying to preach the gospel, and you sickos. Here's the deal: if the sun sets you free, you're free. You should be free. Your life should look like you're free. That's what it should look like. You should live a life of freedom. Here's what I've learned about free, people who are free: when you're free, you don't have to fit in. You know, nowhere do I—I I don't go anywhere where I feel like I have to fit in. I'm in Christ. I don't have to fit in. My wife said to me today, she goes, "It's so sad." I said, "Why? She, this is sad." Show me a picture on Instagram. She goes, "These are grown adults. They're still trying to fit in." I said, "Wow, that's that's pretty impressive." You don't have to fit in. When you're in Christ and you have freedom in Christ, you don't have to fit in. You know, most places that I go, I don't fit in, and I'm okay with that. Because you know who I fit in with? Jesus. And I'd rather fit in with Jesus than fit in with the world. I just would rather do that. The lady said to me, "Hey." Um, we want to invite your church to be a part of what we're doing for the Habitat for Humanity. We, you, guys have a, you guys have a reputation that precedes you. I don't have to fit in there. I can go in there, I can just be me. I don't got to fit in. I don't have to go be a certain way so they could invite me to be a part of that, be a part of that board or be a part of that organization. I can just be me. And me is in Christ. It's free. That's me. I'm in free. When, when you're free, you're free. I don't have to go anywhere because when you try to fit in, whenever you try to fit in, you lose a little bit of yourself. You lose a little bit of who God's called you to be. I don't have to do that. No matter, nowhere, no, wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, I get to be, I get to be free, and I get to be free. If the most influential person ever to live didn't fit in, what makes you think you're going to? My dad used to say to me, "People talked about Jesus. They're going to talk about you because you ain't Jesus." I was like, "Dad, I'm pretty close." And Jesus are like this. I wrote down this too. This freedom's freedom's huge because when you're shackled in one area, it affects the other areas of your life. You have to identify the areas and where you're shackled, and shake those shackles. That way, you won't be free. That way, you'll be free. If you don't get rid of the shackles, it'll affect the other areas of your life. If, let's say, hypothetically speaking, this is like a shot in the dark, just perhaps, maybe some of you guys in your day, you're shackled by bitterness. It's going to affect other areas. Other, It's going to affect other areas of your life. Nick, I start to slur. You know people, when they drink too much, they start to slur a little bit. If it's four cups of coffee and my speech gets slow, my speech goes, my speech is leaving me. I got to get this. I got 14 minutes, 32 seconds. You guys hang on. Here we go. When you're shackled in one area, it affects the other areas of your life. You have to identify the thing. Travis owns a business. I said, Travis, they have a, and it's a big business. I said, hey, I'm just going to tell you this. The people in your business, make sure you help them identify with this insecurity because it will make them better in business. But if they don't identify this one insecurity in their life, then they'll never, ever be, it'll, it'll affect the other areas of their business. That makes sense. You walk into work tomorrow. Mel's a nurse. I'm thankful for the nurses in here. When you walk in to, and your, in your, if your nurse or your doctor, whatever it is the place you work at tomorrow, if someone has a shackle on their leg or on their arm of something, it's going to affect their life. And usually, whatever you're shackled by, you don't mind sharing it. You're like you just, oh man, just you can see you people. You may not say the thing, but you'll talk, and people can see whatever it is that shackles you. Because we all have it. Because you want to talk, eventually, you're going to talk about it. Well, this is what really bothers me. What's a shackle that you have and that really bothers you? So, you have to identify the area you're shackled in because it affects every area of your life. So, we have a mission and we have a vision. And we also have a culture at our church, a culture. This is what it feels like. This is what it smells like. This is what we're supposed to act like. We have a culture. I, I, there's two cultures that I love in life that I like to watch their style. There's a, I love the culture at Chick-fil-A. If I were to ask you, what do you know about Chick-fil-A, you would say, my pleasure. One of the things that you learn about Truett Cathy is he said this, for the first 15 years of our business, we worked on the chicken sandwich. Yo, they got it Right. <laughs> They worked on that chicken sandwich for 15 years. I'm not even going to try the one from Popeye's. I don't even care. Like, I just know I like Chick-fil-A. If you like it, why are you going somewhere else? You know what I'm saying? They, they know chicken. He said for the last 15 years, we worked on the hospitality. They get hospitality. When I go to Starbucks, here's what I like about Starbucks. It ain't the coffee. I'm a Dunkin' guy. You know what I'm saying? Hard-working American blue-collar. I like Dunkin' Donuts. You know, <laughs> like, my dad calls it five bucks. All you bougie people at Starbucks, your pinky up, you know. That coffee ain't six bucks. It ain't worth six bucks. Double shots, caramel sauce, all that. They don't have all that Dunkin' Donuts. They don't even have all that stuff. All the things. They don't have all the things. All the milk. They don't even have that Dunkin'. You got one option. You get coffee or coffee. <laughs> like, there's not that many options. What I like about Star, Starbucks is this. They have a team culture. Team. I love team culture. You walk into Starbucks right now. You go there. You won't know who the manager is. You won't know, my friend. Uh, my friend's here today, uh, Mr. Dickey. He's a GM of. He's the GM of of of, um, of Chili's. When I go there, I can t- I can tell the GM because the GM's got a polo shirt on. You know who the GM is. I, what I like about him is you. Oh, that's all that you would know about him. That he was you because he has a, has a collar on he busts tables, he serves, he gets your refills. Like he's the kind of GM that you, you want to have for your company. Like he's not the GM that sits in the office, you never ever see him. Starbucks, you don't know who the manager is. Because they got a team. There are other call and plays like Paint Manny. You, 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 left, right, left, right, You don't even know who the you don't even know who's in charge at Starbucks. I like team. We have a hope, we have a hope culture. And I want to walk through two of those culture statements with you, but they come right from Matthew chapter 12 this morning. Matthew chapter 12, verse 41. The Bible says this. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple, and he watched as the crowds dropped in their money. So Jesus is at church. Well, you know, Well, This is a house of God. He's here watching us today. He's everywhere you go. I mean, he's like, is that Discover? Anywhere you want to go? Like, he's everywhere you want to be. That's where Jesus is. Everywhere you go, that's where Jesus is at. I don't know where he lives at. He's with you. He's in your house. He's wherever you're at. He's with you on Sunday morning at church, but he's wherever you're at on Saturday night. Watch it, Wes. <laughs> you say you're loving people. You be careful. That doesn't sound very loving. He's everywhere you go. That's where he's at. If you're a son or daughter of the king, he's with you. Everywhere you go. The Bible says he's there. He's, he's kind of checking things out. He's at church. It's okay for Jesus to go to church. The Bible says... That when he was sitting there, he was watching people give give their offering. In this in this church, there was different offering box offering boxes, different places that they could give. The Bible says that there are many rich people, that they were throwing in large amounts. Then a poor widow came up and she dropped in two small coins. So there's rich people in there, and they're dropping in hundos. I mean, they're laying it down thick. They're just dropping money and left and right, left and right. And we can hear that because back then there was no online giving. There was no text eight four three two one give to you know to plans. And there was none of that. It was just, they were dropping in coins. They, they were dropping in money, dropping in money, dropping in money. And the Bible says rich people, they were dropping the money. And everybody was hearing them drop the money in. And there was different offering baskets. My guess is if I'm a Pharisee, and sometimes I've, I relate more with Pharisees, is I'm going to the bucket where there's the most amount of people around that are going to see me doing the most amount of good. You ever been there before? Okay, just me. So he's dropping in all the money. And then it says... The little lady walks up. The Bible says two things about this. She was poor and she was a widow. Poor and a widow. And the Bible says that she walks in and she drops in two small coins. So we have two two people in the story, and we have Jesus. He's like, hey, we got rich people, and we have this poor people. At at face value, they're they're doing the exact same thing. They're both giving money. One's poor, one's rich. They're both at church. They're doing good. They're at church. They're giving something. They're doing pretty good at face value. Not like They're doing pretty good. They're, they're doing a good thing. They're doing the right thing, the Bible says. They're giving. The Bible we're going a little bit further. So they're doing that. In verse 43, Jesus, hey, guys, come here real quick. He calls the disciples up because, hey, guys, I want to I tell you guys a story. Jesus is always doing two things in the Bible. He's telling stories, and he's helping people. Just going to throw this out there for you. If you want to do two things tomorrow, Monday through Friday, you, you want to look different, talk about Jesus and help people. Just do those two things. I don't really know that much about the Bible. You know those two things. You go help people, and you go, and you go talk about Jesus, no one's going to get mad. Like, people aren't mad when you talk about Jesus. People do get mad when you talk about other people, and you talk about them. You talk about, if you spend most of your time talking about Jesus, helping people, you, people are like, man, there's something different about that guy. There's something different about that girl. The Bible says, I tell you the truth, guys, this, this poor and widow, the Bible says she was given more then all those people making contributions. Now, you've been at church long enough to know that I'm going to expose the things that seem super common sense. They're not common sense. Because with Jesus, they're supernatural sense, and it just changes. You and I both would say, well, man, she gave and they gave. Everything's going good. Like, what more could you ask for? They're both giving. What's wrong? I mean, they're doing a good job. And you and I both would say, that's awesome. That would be point number one. Like, that's awesome that they're giving. They're both giving. That's credible." The second thing you and I would say is that, Jesus, you don't know how to count. Because they clearly did not give more than the other lady. Like, we didn't, even hear, we didn't even hear her give, Jesus, but we heard those other jokers give. They dropped a lot. I mean, they dropped a lot of money in that offering basket. We didn't even hear, we didn't hear her give. We heard her give. And Jesus, Jesus' economy is different than our economy. Jesus' economy is, is, is supernatural. Like, things are different. When Jesus shows up, things get different. When Jesus shows up, things that should be added, they begin to be multiplied. When Jesus shows up, things that are impossible, they become impossible. When Jesus shows up, people who look like victims can become victims. When Jesus shows up, things just change. They start looking different. They change. And so Jesus says, hey, guys, we're going to have a culture. I want you to learn something. And he teaches us a culture. He teaches us a cultural principle that we have. And he teaches a cultural principle with these guys now, if you're here today, you're like, "Well, this can be a message about tithing because this just sounds like the pastor's scripture that you should, should talking about." And I don't. We don't talk about tithing a lot at our church. We just don't. And the reason why we don't talk a lot about tithing in our church, you might be wondering why. Here's why: because we believe tithing is just that's just common sense. Common sense, like when you go when you wake up today, you want to brush your teeth. Common sense, like it's in the Bible. Like we don't we don't really go we don't go hard on tithing our because we just think, man, everyone knows you're supposed to do that. We talk about this core value of ours that we are generous. Because tithing is just the base level. I don't think Jesus made any design anyone for us to wake up one day and say, "Well, I'm just going to tithe the rest of my life for the rest of my life." Whenever I go up, I'm just going to. Whenever I get more money, I'm just going to take ten percent. I'm going to give it to Jesus. Does not want you to be. Jesus does not want you to be just a tither. Jesus wants you to be generous. That's our culture. That's our one of our cultures. We are generous. We are generous. And generosity comes in all shapes and sizes. For some people today, they walked up to me and said, hey, I want to give you a cup of coffee. They're thoughtful. Thoughtful people usually are generous people. I want to, I want to give this to you. Today, I want, I want to be generous. I woke up today, I got a cup of coffee. I left the, left the, I got here today, set up, did my thing. Sound guy got here, Freddie got here. And I, I left and put out a couple of signs. When I was putting out a couple of signs, I like, oh, I'm gonna go get my youth pastor a, a drink, an energy drink. Went and got him an energy drink. Two gas stations. He's not worked two gas stations, but I went to two gas stations. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to find. It's gonna be a long day. We're all about you today. We're gonna make sure. So I go get him, and I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna get my, I'm gonna get Joel's wife a, a Starbucks. I pull in a Starbucks. I get her a Starbucks. bought both of them a drink. And guess what happened to me? God brought me two drinks. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know about you, but those are good numbers. You know what I'm saying? Like one to one ratio is not bad. I want to be generous. I want to be, I want to be part of a church that's generous. This lady wasn't tithing today. This lady, she was generous. And she, the Bible says that she gave all that she had. Generous people—they'll give all they have. They'll give—they'll give better. And I want you to be generous. And I—and and I'll tell you why I want you to be generous in, in just a moment. But I believe this in here today. This lady was generous, and she—we don't know what happens after this story. But I know this: what I've learned about generosity, people who are generous—they never ever run out. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to run out. I Man, I don't know—I any, i don't, I've never met anybody who wants—who wants to run out. I've never met that person. The most people that I know, they want more. And the good thing for me is I know the God of more. So I'm totally down with more. I'm down with more. You know, God's down with more. More's okay. More's okay. Jesus wants you not to be, he wants us to be generous. My son said to me, he goes, Dad, I want to start giving my money away. I said, cool. I know if, I know, you can give it to my favorite charity. He said, what is this? I said, it's me. <laughs> he said, oh, uh, he said, "I want to give it to childrens. I want to give it to childrens hospitals. That's legit. That's what's up. That's cool." I was telling a story that he goes, "Your son." He, someone said to me, "Your son's getting generosity." I want to be generous because at the heart of who Jesus is is generosity, and generosity isn't just—it's not just a little bit. Generosity is a lot. This year, someone gave me a car. I'm so thankful for that. I was able to give a car away. A few months later, someone gave me another car. I'm so excited because I'm able to give another car away. The guy that bought me the truck, he's in here today. I don't get these permissions to tell these people these stories. I just start telling them, and I'm like, he's in here today, And and you know what? The truck that he bought me is nicer than the truck that he owns. That's generosity. You're like, well, so I don't have a lot of money. You know what you do have? You have time. You have time. You can be generous with your time. Every one of us can be generous with our time. It's the number one, hot com- it's the number one commodity. Time's a big deal. You can be generous with your time, though. You can be generous with your talent. Some of you guys, you're, you have, you're talented at something. You're like, I didn't even know I was talented. You are. You're talented at something. Next steps is right after church. We'll talk to you guys about your talent. Here's what we believe. Everyone's a 10 at something. You, you, have, you have a talent. Uh, I, last night, uh, Nelson and Jenny had a couple, uh, two or three couples over for, for dinner. And they walked into him and Jen, he goes, Nelson, Jenny, man, they have the gift of hospitality. You know what they're doing at Next Steps today? They're hosting Next Steps. They have the gift of hospitality. They're using their gifts. You can use your gifts. Ruthie said to me the other day, she goes, you know, you're, she's like, I, I'm really good at social media. I'm gifted in that. Talent to my talent. I want to help you guys. Talented. It's so cool. Use that talent. Stephen helps us. He's a, he's a he's a he he does search engine optimization for a living. He's a ta- he has a talent. He's using his talents. Some of you guys in your day, you have a talent. Use your talent. and the third thing is your you can use your treasure. I'm sitting with a lady today from Habitat for Humanity to help build homes. They want us involved. I'm like, yo, we're in. We think people should have places to lay their head and not in ran down locations. We want to help. The, in East Winter Garden, the average household income is $24,000. That isn't a lot of you guys in here today. Most of you guys in here today, you're in the $50,000 $50, at least. At least you make $50,000 a year. If you make $50,000 or more, you're in the top 10% of the world's richest people. The top 10%. That's where you're at. That's you. You can use your treasure. I got a friend of mine, he had a stroke a couple years ago. They recently moved into town and this guy's a board member for, for another nonprofit. And this guy's generous with his time, his time, He's a cook, he's an executive chef and he's cooked and started companies. And he's very, very talented. He walked up to me and he says, hey man, I can't give the way I used to give. He goes, but I wanna give you this. And my sister was there and he doesn't have an income. He didn't have an income. There's not an income for him. Zero income, but he has insurance. That's why you should have insurance. And uh, he said, I I wanna give this check. He goes, I got this check the other day and I, I wanna give it to the church. He goes, I want to be used to help with the homeless community that you're helping out in this community. He heard us talk about that. Absolutely, check for $800. Of course, we're gonna do that. We're generous. The guy's been to our church four times all year in six months. He gets our culture's generosity, but he's in, he himself is generous. I don't want you to be, listen, your generosity, it ain't gonna help us get more rich. We have a giving problem in our church. The problem is this, we give it, most of what we get, we give it away. <laughs> That's our problem. Some lady said to me, he's like, you know if you could give it away, you guys could buy your own building? And I said, you know what? If we didn't give it away, we wouldn't have a place to rent. I can't afford not to give. I can't afford not to give. We don't get richer by your giving. But we get to help more people. We're generous. That's who who we are. We're we're generous. That's what we get to be. We get to be generous. And I want you to be a part of that with us. I want you to live in freedom. I want you to, if this is an area, your time, your talent, your treasure, where you can't be generous, then it's a shackle that you have. And if you have that shackle, then you're not going to be able to go out and help and serve and love, it's going to affect the other areas of your life. It's going to affect your generosity. We're generous. Here's the second thing. We believe in abundance, not just enough. We believe in abundance, not just enough. Here's the deal. Generosity, it's up to you. Abundance, it's up to God. Nobody wants you to have more in your life than God. I've read the book. God, nobody wants you to have more. The Bible actually says, I've come. That's what he said. I mean, there are some things in the Bible, ladies to me, she's like, do you need to pray about being on this board? I'm like, no. God tells us to help people who can't help themselves. I don't need to pray about that. I don't have to pray or whether or not I should be on the dream team. You should have to pray or whether or not God wants you to be on the dream team or to serve. I asked a guy, a guy who served recently, he's like, I prayed about it and God told me no. I'm like, you're not talking to the right kind of God. He's not. Nobody wants you to have more than God. He has a lot for you. I've come to give you an abundant life. That's right from the Bible. You don't have to. You you know what the word, I will come to give you an abundant life. You know what that means in the Greek? (laughs) I will come. I've come to give you an abundant life. That's what that means in the Greek. You don't have to, you don't need to be a Bible translator for that. God wants you to have an abundant life. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to have an abundant life. He's going to do his part, but are you going to do your part? I had a business owner tell me recently, she said, you know what, I I never believed in giving. She goes, I love giving at this church. She goes, did you know since I've given, my business has gone, it's just gone up since I started giving at this church. I believe this, what God does in this house, he'll do in your home. I just believe that. I believe that. Wes, this sounds like one of those giving messages. No, it's a generosity message. Most people don't have this as a value. I've learned this about business in the last few years. You have to have the businesses that are doing well. You have to have a great product. I knew that. You have to have a great customer service. I knew that. Now here's the third thing. You have to have a generosity component. You have to. A lady from Habitat Free Humanity told me this. She goes, we have a lot of the, all the Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies in our area. There, there's a line of them wanting to serve with us because they know you have to have a generosity component. My dad owns a business. He, he rings that, that bell for the Salvation Army every Christmas. And every Christmas he asks me, and every Christmas I tell him no. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, quit asking me, Dad. So that's how I'm telling him. Hey, I want you to have all that God has for your life. I want you to have all that God has for your life. <clears throat> I want that for you more than anything. I'm going to change gears. We we're supposed to sing, and we're going to sing in just a moment. But I want to show you this video um, from our partners at um, at Convoy of Hope. Take a look at this video. Hey guys, Jeff Meaney with Convoy of Hope. Our response teams have been hard at work for the past week, preparing equipment and making plans on how to best respond. We have two teams in the Bahamas working on getting supplies to people as quickly as possible. We're coordinating airdrops as well as containers going in on ships. A response team deployed to the Carolinas in anticipation of any damage Dorian may cause as it makes its way up the coast. We have multiple tractor trailer loads of emergency food, water, and supplies already en route. We've connected directly with churches in the Bahamas to help with the distribution phase. Your partnership with Convoy of Hope puts you directly on the front lines of serving people in need. Thank you for your support. That's you guys. We're already partnered with Convoy Hook. We're going to do more. If, we all, if, we all, if we're all generous, we can do so much more. We have, that repus- rep, rep, we have that reputation in our community. I got invited to come be on the board of the Habits for Humanity, and I, and I had that conversation, and three days later, it got back to another nonprofit in the city, and they're like, hey, we wanted you too. I'm like, there's enough of me to go around. <laughs> Here's what we're going to do today. Everything that comes in today in this house, we're going to give it to the Bahamas. And we're going to do that because people need help. And we're generous. All these churches are doing all these different things and we're collecting supplies and we can do that. But whatever, whatever comes in today, we're going to give it away. Like, well, how can we afford to pay our own bills well, if we don't give it away? Here's what we do. We'll never be able to pay our bills if we don't get generous. We'll never have what God has. I believe there's going to be a coming day where God's going to give us something even bigger and greater. It's going to be contingent upon our generosity. That's why we're going to give today. So when you give today, know this. We're going to give everything that, ha- that comes in today in the offering baskets. We're going to give that away. Because we're generous. This would be a good time for you to get people to start giving more to your church, Wes. Like, we don't need to be more people to get to our church. We need more people to give to God. We need more people to get that. We don't own anything. God owns everything. I don't own my kids. I don't own my cars. It's really easy to live We you don't own anything. I'm not the chief financial officer in my house. It's God. Be like, don't lie. You know it's Diana. No, it's God. We both know everything we have is it's from God. And so before we take our offering, I want to worship with you. Would you stand to your feet? I believe this. We've been given so much. You've been given a lot. But to whom much is given, much is required. Today, this morning, you get to worship. You get to worship today. Every one of you get to worship today. Let's start with giving that. Let's start with giving God all of our praise. Let's start giving God all of our worship. Let's give God. Let's give. Let's end this day giving giving God all of our bread. We all can give our worship. Sure, you can give your time and your talent and your treasure. You that'll, that'll be up to you. I'm not going to make anybody do anything they don't want to do. But I know you can all give God worship. We have so much to give God worship for. We're not fighting. We're not. We don't, we don't have loved ones being swept out to sea this week. We're not hungry this week. And if you are hungry, let us know. We'll buy you a meal. Like you're not hungry. We'll buy you one. None of you guys in here today, are, you're, you're, you guys got here. If you have public transportation, that makes you rich. If you can afford to rent something, that makes you rich. You're rich. We're, by the world standard, we are so loaded. Let's thank God for that. You may say, well, I don't have in a position to give today. I'm not in a position to give at all. You're in a better position than you think you are. You're in a better position than you think you are.